0: Hi there. I hope you find great value in the episode that I'm about to share with you. Before we start, I want to thank you for your precious attention and take this opportunity to invite you to consider joining my next Entrepreneur's Awakening Mastermind program. I'm only accepting eight business leaders and it's filling up fast. If you're curious, visit awakeforward.com right now to learn more and apply to join. Okay on with the episode. Welcome to the Awake Forward podcast. While the media is focused on therapeutic psychedelics to treat mental health conditions, I'm here to tell you about the benefits that high-functioning business leaders are realizing today. I'm Michael Kostoros. I'm an advisor and executive coach to some of Silicon Valley's most talented entrepreneurs, and I have a secret to share. I've strategically combined guided psychedelic experiences with my executive coaching since 2010 and I can tell you the results are many times more impactful than executive coaching alone. Not only do my clients tend to realize their professional development goals faster, but their leadership presence and influence greatly improve as well. Having led more than 100 clients through my psychedelic assisted executive coaching process I'm now ready to share what I know. In this inaugural episode, you're going to learn a number of things that will help you decide if you want to pursue psychedelics as a tool for professional development or not. Highlights include why therapeutic psychedelics in conjunction with executive coaching is so effective, how to determine if it's medically safe for you to use psychedelics, What's the best approach to using psychedelics if professional development is your goal? How to distinguish between a novice and an expert psychedelic service provider? The typical career-limiting bad habits plaguing CEOs that this method can often resolve. An overview of my six-month psychedelic-assisted executive coaching program so that you can compare it to the other options you may be considering. And last but not least enough about me to decide if you can trust my opinions on these topics by the end of this episode you will know if you're interested in pursuing therapeutic psychedelics as a tool for professional development and if so what questions you need to answer in order to take the next step one last thing before we start i must make something very clear everything shared in this podcast are just personal opinions I am not a medical professional, and when sharing my opinions, I'm not providing medical advice. My guests, even if they are medical professionals, are also sharing their personal opinions and not providing medical advice. You should always formally consult a licensed medical professional before you decide to engage with any of the approaches we discuss on this show. Thank you for understanding this. Okay, let's get on with the episode. I want to start by saying that I hope you're listening to this with a healthy degree of skepticism. The massive demand for information about psychedelic services has created something of a gold rush culture. As a result, you will find a lot of novices on social media positioning themselves as experts, and clinics with profit as their primary motivation popping up everywhere they're allowed to. This is making it very difficult to find trustable information and quality services. By the way, I consider anyone a novice who has not been engaged in the professional psychedelic ecosystem full-time for more than five years. Furthermore, if a person is providing guided psychedelic experiences themselves, I consider them a novice if they have not been providing that service for at least five years, Haven't completed a multi year apprenticeship type training, and have led less than 100 experiences. This may seem like a high bar, but it really isn't. Everything about psychedelics and the human psyche is complicated, nuanced, and unique to each person. It simply takes years of experience to develop mastery and insights valuable enough to be considered an expert in this field. As for myself, I'm not asking for your trust. Rather, I'm asking for the opportunity to earn your trust. My professional expertise today is the result of braiding together three different career paths that, to my knowledge, have never been combined before. For the last 15 years, I've dedicated myself to mastering the art and science of startup executive performance, indigenous shamanic medicine traditions, and contemporary psychedelic therapy techniques. At first, these were separate pursuits, but over time they wove together to become a revolutionary new professional practice that I've christened Psychedelic Assisted Executive Coaching. I believe that Psychedelic Assisted Executive Coaching will do to conventional executive coaching what Uber did to Yellow Taxi. It's truly that much more effective. By the end of this episode, you'll understand why I think so, and you may even agree with me. Now allow me to tell you about my professional journey. You're going to need to understand my experience in order to trust my opinions in this and subsequent episodes. First and foremost, I work as an executive coach, and I'm dedicated to helping entrepreneurs realize their full potential in life and business. When potential clients reach out to me, they're usually facing high-stakes challenges that they don't know how to resolve. What's more, they don't have much time to resolve them. Though many challenges can be resolved through sage advice and executive coaching methods, some can't. The ones that can't are usually caused by deeply rooted psycho-emotional issues that don't change simply because you want them to. In fact, most are hidden in my client's blind spots. In my experience, when a founder gets fired, it's usually due to behaviors linked to these types of deeply rooted issues. These deeply rooted issues are the issues that a therapeutic psychedelic session led by an expert guide can reveal and resolve. Better yet. Not only do these sessions resolve behaviors linked to the issues that show up in the professional realm, but they often lead to positive changes in every other area of life as well. To put it simply, therapeutic psychedelic experiences in the context of an executive coaching program is the most efficient and effective way to level up the professional, emotional, and spiritual development of an entrepreneur. Once I understood this, I felt out of professional integrity not to offer it to qualified clients. As for me, I've always been an entrepreneur. Outside of part-time jobs in high school and college, I've always been self-employed. In 1996, while still in college, I started a boutique web design firm called Keta Media, inspired by a vision I had during a ketamine experience. By 2003, the company had matured into an investor-backed software company. By 2005, we had unlocked the ability to scale fast and decided to hire a been-there-done-that CEO to lead the way to a nine-figure exit. Between 2005 and 2010, I experienced every challenge and reward an investor-backed tech startup founder can. That is, except the big exit. That never happened. In 2010, I left the company to launch my executive coaching practice. Since then, I've clocked well over 10,000 hours of one-on-one coaching sessions with entrepreneurial business leaders. I've helped my clients solve the most gut-wrenching issues they face as they move through each growth stage on their way to achieving their professional goal. Co-founder conflicts, executive coups, toxic board dynamics, underperforming key hires, and worse. You name it, I've coached my clients through to the best possible outcomes. Based on my experience as a startup founder, I learned that to resolve the external challenges, you first have to resolve the inner challenges that likely created them in the first place. Self-doubt, limiting beliefs, fundamental distrust of others subconscious fears and other subconscious psycho-emotional limiting factors are almost always the root cause of the external problems in the company. As within, so without. The therapeutic use of psychedelics, when focused on resolving subconscious psycho-emotional issues, is the most efficient and effective way to clear them up. When they are cleared, shortly after, Many of the issues in the company stemming from the leader clear up as well. I first experienced this myself when at the peak of my founder burnout phase, I went to Peru for an ayahuasca retreat. Ayahuasca is an ancient Amazonian tribal medicine and one of the strongest psychedelics on the planet. Much to my surprise, I came back to the company utterly transformed. I'll tell you that story in a minute. I mention it now because the impact of this experience on my professional development is what started me on the path that led to the creation of my Awake Forward method for psychedelic assisted executive coaching. With regards to my education in indigenous shamanic medicine traditions and contemporary psychedelic therapy techniques, I first want to talk about my experience learning indigenous shamanic medicine traditions. Due to a formative experience when I was 19, I was more interested in the shamanic approaches to using psychedelics for psycho-emotional healing than I was the contemporary Western therapeutic approaches. I started with a deep dive into a Native American shamanic tradition, followed by learning everything I could about the Peruvian ayahuasca tradition. What I discovered inspired me to study psychological behavior change methods like NLP, as well as emerging psychedelic-assisted therapy models. My approach to learning all of the above is best described as one of hands-on immersion. I was first drawn to understanding how indigenous healing frameworks and methods work without the use of psychedelics. This felt important because this is the foundation upon which ceremonies that contain psychedelic plants are built. I completed a two-year, 800-plus-hour, hands-on apprenticeship with a medicine man working in a Native American tradition who prohibited the use of psychedelics. Once free of that prohibition, I spent more than five months in Peru exploring different ayahuasca traditions and working out the retreat experience design that would work best for my type of clientele. Simultaneously, I worked with underground therapists who specialized in psychedelic prep and integration to learn the contemporary Western approach while they actually supported me as their patient. I also completed extensive training in the before mentioned NLP model. NLP stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming and is a brilliant behavior change method. NLP turned out to be the interim step between executive coaching and therapeutic psychedelics that I was looking for. I found that NLP can resolve many of the subconscious psycho-emotional issues that were causing the problems my clients experienced. This reduced the need for psychedelic therapy sessions, reserving them for only the most stubborn issues. In 2012, after four years of practice and study, I finally launched my first ayahuasca mastermind group program. The program happily exceeded expectations and I ran one or more a year until 2019 when COVID put a stop to everything. Hi there, please excuse this interruption, but I wanna take this opportunity to invite you to join the next Entrepreneur's Awakening Mastermind program. As I said before, I'm only accepting eight business leaders and it's filling up fast. So if you're curious, visit awakeforward.com right now to learn more and apply to join okay back to the episode as you can imagine many of my clients did not want to go to peru for ayahuasca so from 2012 until the present i began the practice of combining targeted one-on-one therapeutic psychedelic sessions with my executive coaching The results of the one-on-one guided sessions conducted at the midpoint of my six-month executive coaching program were just incredible. I began developing a method that could reliably produce predictable outcomes. Not only did they enable my clients to make the deep behavior changes they had worked on with limited success for years, but the sessions had an equally beneficial impact on their personal lives. After years of trial and error, I figured it out and christened the Awake Forward Method for Psychedelic Assisted Executive Coaching. In 2022, I decided it was time to go public and launched the Awake Forward website. While doing so, I was honestly surprised to learn that according to Google, I'm the first person to publicly offer Psychedelic Assisted Executive Coaching as a service. To be clear... I, myself, do not provide guided psychedelic experiences. Neither do any of my associate coaches at Awake Forward. We believe that only full-time expert guides with more than 100 sessions completed, impeccable references, and who are working in legal contexts should be considered for that service. To help you understand how to interview and vet a psychedelic guide, in an upcoming episode, I will be interviewing Nikki, a guide with 30 years experience. Before I tell you about the unique issues that my method addresses, how to avoid the number one downside risk, and how my method works, I want you to understand a bit more about my personal and professional history. I was born in San Francisco in 1971 to parents who grew up there and were undergrads during the 1967 Summer of Love. My father was a psychology major at San Francisco State University, and my mother was passionate about social justice, the anti-war movement, and developing herself as an artist. I grew up in a home that was deeply spiritual, creative, loving, and as you might imagine, immersed in the music and art from the 1960s and 70s. While psychedelics were not an explicit part of my parents' personal development, History has shown that psychedelics inspired the social and spiritual perspectives that my parents admired and I grew up inspired by. As a teenager, I was proud to tell my friends that my parents had seen The Doors, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, and countless other bands who played at the Fillmore West. For better or worse, I chose to have my first psychedelic experience at 15, which, in my opinion, is too young. However, it did provide me with a direct experience of the qualities of consciousness that the artists and musicians I admired referenced so often in their work, which felt like an initiation to me. However, my experimentations seemed to pale in comparison to what I was reading in books like Carlos Castaneda's Don Juan, A Yaqui Way of Knowledge. Okay, after thinking it over, I've decided to tell you a very private story that is sacred to me. I doubt I've shared this with more than 10 people in my life, and when you hear it, you'll know why. I hesitated because my goal here is to establish trust and rapport with you, and this story is pretty much impossible to believe. I've decided to tell it because it's a good example. A good example of the kind of awakening experience available to Westerners when they participate in a plant medicine ceremony conducted by indigenous people steeped in a long-standing tradition. Though possible, I doubt anything like this would happen in a one-on-one guided psychedelic session conducted in a Western therapeutic type setting. I'm sharing it because I want you to begin the process of learning to appreciate the difference between traditional approaches to working with plant-based psychedelics and the emerging Western clinical approaches. It also demonstrates the level of dedication I have had and have to learning both the traditional and contemporary ways of benefiting from psychedelics. Last but not least, I'm challenging myself to push the edge of my social comfort zone, and this story definitely does that. Okay, no more procrastinating, here's my story. My interest in the indigenous use of psychedelic plants continued to grow throughout high school. So much so that after graduating in 1990, my friend Steve and I decided to backpack through Mexico to find the Mazatec tribe, a tribe whose spiritual tradition had been using psilocybin mushrooms since the beginning of time. Our hope was to commission a, quote, real psilocybin mushroom ceremony, which we thought would be a life-changing spiritual initiation. In pre-internet days, finding information about the tribe was very difficult our local library had nothing. So we ended up sending away for the May 1957 Life magazine featuring an article by Gordon Wasson called Seeking the Magic Mushroom. In this article, we found the clues we needed to locate the Mazatec tribe and hopefully a shaman. Initially, we wanted to find a descendant of Maria Sabina, the corundera that Wasson described working with in the article. After making it to Mazatec territory, we spent a week discreetly asking around. Word on the street led us to believe that it would be better to work with a lesser known family of healers, the Casamiros. This family later became well known when the matriarch, Julieta Casamiro, was invited to join the internationally respected 13 Indigenous Grandmothers Organization. On the designated afternoon, my friend Steve and I hiked through the mountainous countryside to the home of Don Francisco, the Corandero, who a few days ago agreed to provide our ceremony. The single-track trail wove through small farm plots along a ridgetop that provided spellbinding views of the mountainous terrain of the region. After more than one wrong turn, our hand-drawn map led us to our guide's humble cinderblock home. I was quite nervous, judging by the butterflies in my stomach, as I knocked on the front door. A few moments later, an enchanting woman with a kind grandmotherly smile answered. Seeing her smile, most of my apprehension evaporated. Don Francisco, the elder conducting our ceremony, was sitting at their kitchen table and gestured to us to join him. Then began our comical attempt to communicate. Don Francisco and his wife spoke Mazatec a beautiful tonal language that sounds more like Chinese to me than Spanish. Lucky for us, Don Francisco's Spanish was simple and easy to understand, which was a relief because our Spanish was quite primitive. We paid his requested fee and without further ado, he moved us to the backyard next to a fire pit and began preparing to start the ceremony. As the sun set, he handed each of us a plate that contained three sacred medicines. A handful of cacao beans, a tablespoon or two of fresh honey, and a huge pile of freshly picked fairly disgusting looking psilocybin mushrooms. Was that a maggot crawling on one of my mushrooms? The butterflies began dancing in my stomach and second thoughts flooded my mind. This was a lot of mushrooms. With a smile, Don Francisco invited us to start eating our medicine, showing us how to dip the mushrooms into the honey and chew a cacao bean with each bite. Steve and I looked at each other with a pregnant pause. When in Rome, shrugging his shoulders, Steve began eating. As he did, Don Francisco's wife began singing a beautiful song, unlike anything I'd ever heard. My butterflies subsided I put the first bite of medicine into my mouth. To my surprise, the mushrooms were sweet and earthy. The honey added a dessert-like quality and the cacao beans added a complimentary flavor and a refreshing crunch. What unfolded over the next five hours under the protective spell of sacred songs and the strategic use of Don Francisco's wife's healing touch was truly beyond anything I could have expected. The best way to describe it may be that we were transported to another dimension, a parallel dimension, maybe like the ones ghosts might occupy when they're visible to the living. In that dimension, the mushroom spirits demonstrated to me how the spirit world interacts with the material world. I experienced how the energetic frequency of what we experience as the emotion of loving-kindness in everyday life was like a healing river that access and heal emotional wounds in myself and others. I experienced how fear, anger, and resentment cut one off from the healing currents of loving kindness. I was shown how I could heal or harm a person across any distance using techniques that were intuitively obvious in this realm. In fact, I am not proud to share that I tested my newfound power to track down a man who tried to rob us two weeks earlier. I found him sleeping alone and decided to piss on him, which felt like poetic justice. I then followed my energetic trail back to the fireplace, careful to erase it so he couldn't trace it back to me. I later learned that using these realms to do harm came with great risk, and not surprisingly is referred to as black magic. I'm happy to report that this was the first and last time I indulged in such practices. I would have written this off as a hallucinogenic flight of fancy if it weren't for what happened next. At some point, Steve and I decided to leave the fire and take a walk around the backyard. We sat and chatted about what we were experiencing. We then practiced merging our consciousness with a big rock nearby, which was an awesome experience that there's no way I can explain. After some time, we felt it wise to return to the fire, As we walked through the dark toward the song being sung and approached the fire, we both saw our bodies lying under the blankets near Don Francisco. We glanced at each other with shocked looks on our faces, smiled, and then the next thing I remember was opening my eyes looking up at the stars above, my body snug under the blanket. The experience ended when I realized that Don Francisco and his wife were gone and the fire had reduced to glowing embers. I woke Steve up and we began sharing our experience. We then made the unwise decision to make the long walk back to our hostel we were staying in. The nearly full moon had risen and there was plenty of light. But in hindsight, two clueless 19-year-olds, still half in the spirit world, had no business walking through an ancient landscape alive with spirits. To this day, I reflect on that experience as one of the most influential in my life. It was a deeply impactful introduction to the levels of consciousness that nobody I personally knew had ever experienced. Steve and I both remember clearly our adventure in the backyard and the moment we discovered together that our bodies were lying next to the fire the whole time we were out and about. I'm grateful that the mushrooms and Don Francisco provided me with that experience. It enabled me to trust and better understand the mystic teachings taught by Carlos Castaneda, Ram Dass, and others like them. From that day forward, I was certain that there was a lot more to life and consciousness than the conventional culture I was surrounded by knew about which, by the way, made it very difficult for me to rejoin my pure culture, let alone the greater culture when I returned home. It all seemed so trivial compared to the lives, cultures, and spiritual traditions of the Mazatec. Little did I know that 17 years later, at the peak of my challenges as an investor-backed tech startup founder, this experience would direct me toward the resolution I needed. After returning to California, I spent the next decade developing my career as a conceptual fine artist, which didn't culminate with a show at the MoMA, but with the founding of a software company. In 2000, I was living in New York City, and what every visual artist and gallery needed was a website content management system that enabled them to update the images on their website. This was years before WordPress and a decade before Squarespace. There were no viable solutions on the market, so I set out to create the software that I and my friends needed. Fast forward to 2005, I'm the co-founder of Livebooks, a SaaS website platform for professional photographers. I'm living in San Francisco. I have a team of 12 and the best product on the market. We were ready to scale. We hired a seasoned CEO, raised money, and raced to reach our targets before needing the next round of funding. Before long, Livebooks was the platinum website solution for the world's best professional photographers. Even National Geographic hired us to create the websites for all their photographers. It was an exciting ride, and I made pretty much every mistake a first-time founder can make. In hindsight, my biggest mistake was allowing my sense of self to merge with my identity as the founder and C-whatever-O of Livebooks. This is a trap that most first-time founders fall into, and it causes countless problems for the company and often results in termination. The primary problem is that merging your identity with your company makes it almost impossible to allow the company to do anything you don't like. In my case, it was obvious that the professional photographer market was too small, and we needed to focus on the wedding photographer market. I didn't wanna be the founder of a company that served wedding photographers with templated websites. I was an artist who served the world's best photographers, providing them with custom award-winning websites that sat on top of our sleek content management back-end. So I unconsciously, and sometimes consciously, blocked the decisions to pivot toward the wedding market. This was a big mistake, and in 2008, it almost cost us the company. We were on track to close a Series A round of funding in the fall of 2008 when the markets crashed. Due to our delay in addressing the wedding photographer market, we had a serious cash flow crunch. We were forced to lay off 35 of our 65 employees and pivot 100% toward templated, low-cost websites. By this time, I was more than five years into the journey and three years into the rapid scale phase. I was facing textbook founder burnout, and what I didn't realize then was a serious identity crisis. To make matters worse, my wife had slipped into clinical depression due to the loss of two late midterm pregnancies. Her condition was heartbreaking and terrifying. I was a mess. That's when a trusted friend recommended that we go to Peru for an ayahuasca retreat. She had done so the year before and had been singing ayahuasca's praises ever since. Remembering the value of my experience with Don Francisco 17 years earlier... I had just enough confidence that ayahuasca could help me shed my emotional baggage and achieve the clarity I desperately wanted that I agreed to go. My wife believed that it could help her clear her grief and release her depression. Fingers crossed, we hopped on a plane to Peru and headed to Diego and Milagro Palma's retreat center in Pisac, near Cusco. For the sake of time, I will not tell you about my ayahuasca retreat experience. What's relevant to what I have to share today is this. I came back to my company with nothing but gratitude. Gratitude for my colleagues, gratitude for our customers, and gratitude for the privilege of being a founder. What was clear is that my personal identity was no longer enmeshed with the company or my role in it. I felt emotionally, mentally, and even physically liberated. It was as if I had taken off a 100-kilo backpack that I didn't even know I was carrying. My only desire was to do what was best for the company. I wholeheartedly embraced the opportunity to serve wedding photographers. I felt great, so you can imagine how disappointed I was to notice about two weeks later that some of my old ego-related anxieties started to show up again. It was very frustrating, though I didn't regress 100% I now know that without skilled integration coaching, one should expect to lose about 70% of the changes experienced during the first two weeks after a guided psychedelic session. Over the next two years, I spent my free time learning how ayahuasca created the changes that I benefited from and how to make them stick. I participated in a few more ayahuasca ceremonies and began working with a therapist that specialized in prep and integration for ayahuasca. This enabled me to integrate more of the beneficial changes, but I soon discovered that the therapy approach to integration was missing a key component. At the same time that I was working with the therapist, I began working with an executive coach for the first time. Not only did he help me sort out my issues with the company, but when I told him about the insights from ayahuasca that I was working through with my therapist, he started applying executive coaching techniques to them. This led to a breakthrough realization. One of the big differences between a coach and a therapist is that the coach can lead the conversation and tell you what they think you should do. They also hold you accountable to your agreements. This was the missing piece. To optimize the value of a therapeutic psychedelic experience, you need a passive empathic listener in the beginning then, about a week after, you need someone to ideate with and hold you accountable. As a result of this period, I became clear that my core talent was mentoring and developing people, as well as optimizing team collaboration. I also became clear that after more than eight years working on the Livebooks project, it was time for me to move on. When I shared this insight with my coach, he offered to teach me how to create an executive coaching practice and set me up with my first clients. I took him up on it. And in 2010, I took a board seat, left the company in the hands of my co-founders and began my executive coaching career. It wasn't long before I was coaching founders who were suffering from similar issues I had experienced. While executive coaching techniques were effective, The change they produced usually took more time than my clients had. It was obvious to me that if I could get the clients who actually needed it to go to Peru for ayahuasca, they could get the changes they needed in time. This was in 2010, back when most people, even psychedelic hobbyists, hadn't heard about ayahuasca. I didn't know how to make it happen, but I was actually committed to figuring out how to get my clients access to the benefits that ayahuasca had to provide. In 2011, my wife and I courageously decided to give up our sweet Victorian flat in San Francisco and moved to Peru to figure out and set up the ideal retreat experience for type A business leaders. For the next five months, I sat in every kind of ayahuasca ceremony I could find and visited many retreat centers in the Sacred Valley area of Peru. Finally, I attended a ceremony led by a reclusive ayahuasquero named Javier Riguero, and I knew I'd found the perfect partner. Gosh, there are many interesting stories I could share about this time, but I want to get to the information that will help you decide if working with therapeutic psychedelics to advance your professional development is right for you. So I'm gonna jump ahead. In 2012, I ran my first ayahuasca business mastermind program, a two-month group program that wove together one-on-one executive coaching, a business mastermind group, and a two-week trip to Peru. The Peru program included a nine-day ayahuasca retreat, which culminated in a visit to Machu Picchu. The program exceeded everybody's expectations. I attribute this to the month of preparation coaching and six weeks of integration coaching that my program included. In the years that I ran the Ayahuasca Mastermind, many reputable media sources, including Fast Company, who sent the film crew to document the 2017 program, Produce feature articles on my work. If you're curious about the impact Ayahuasca had on the business leaders that participated in my Ayahuasca Mastermind, please listen to my Entrepreneur's Awakening podcast. It consists of interviews with my former clients about the impact Ayahuasca had on their business leadership. To assure that what they shared wasn't influenced by the excitement that follows a bucket-list adventure to Peru that includes a visit to Machu Picchu and drinking ayahuasca, I conducted the interviews more than a year after their experience. In 2020, COVID made travel to Peru impossible, and worse, tragically caused the death of Javier Riguero, the ayahuasquero who led all of our ayahuasca ceremonies. By that time javier had become my dear friend and mentor i was literally heartbroken not to be able to attend his burial ceremony in peru like so many of us i was forced by covid to surrender accept grieve and adapt during the years that i ran my ayahuasca mastermind I simultaneously arranged for one-on-one guided psychedelic sessions for clients who could not join the Peru program. The results, though much different, were equally effective. By the time COVID struck, it was easy to pivot 100% of my attention toward this approach. Years of trial and error led to the development of my awake Forward method for psychedelic-assisted executive coaching. Finally... With the massive shift in public opinion and the increase in legal ways for my clients to engage with psychedelic therapy, in 2022, I launched the Awake Forward brand. I've shared my backstory with you in hopes that it provides enough context for you to trust what I'm going to share next. I now want to tell you about the career limiting behaviors that psychedelic assisted executive coaching often resolves. I will then tell you how to avoid the primary risks associated with psychedelics and the best approach to psychedelics when professional development is your goal. Finally, I will give you a step-by-step overview of my six-month psychedelic-assisted executive coaching program so that you can compare it to others as you continue to educate yourself about your options. But before I do, let's pause to take a break. You just took in a lot of information and deserve a moment to let it sink in. I invite you to enjoy a slow, deep breath in through your nose, out through your mouth. Oh, I like how that feels. Let's do another one. As you breathe, go ahead and feel your body. Without trying, let your mind reflect on what I've shared so far. Which aspects of what I've shared piqued your curiosity? Take a few more breaths as you note what bubbles up. Perhaps over the next 10 minutes, your questions will be answered. Okay, thanks for taking that break with me. Here's my list of common success-limiting behaviors that a therapeutic psychedelic session in combination with NLP and executive coaching can often resolve. An inability to consistently embody your vision and mission for the company in such a way that others are genuinely inspired to follow your leadership. When your sense of identity and self-worth merge with your title and brand to such a degree that you can't do what's best for the company if your ego doesn't like it. Chronic avoidance of emotionally charged conversations because you don't want to upset people. Believing that you can do most things better than your direct reports and resenting them for not living up to your expectations. Difficulty transitioning from a command and control approach to leadership To a delegate and empower approach to leadership. Allowing yourself to give critical feedback or make decisions when you're emotionally charged. Believing that the company won't survive if you don't do more than your share. So you do and then resent that you have to do it. Difficulty asking for receiving or acting on critical feedback. When you get the feedback that others experience you as an impatient listener and you don't do what it takes to change that behavior. My experience has taught me that as different as they are, most of these examples have one thing in common. They are linked to subconscious fears and or beliefs that were formed before you were 20 years old. Of course, there are other possible causes. For example, my brain runs on ADHD hardware, which causes certain behaviors and makes other behaviors nearly impossible. My method screens for multiple possible causes for each behavior during the three months leading up to the first psychedelic therapy session. By then, all parties involved are confident that the focus of the session is linked to a subconscious fear or belief. Guided psychedelic session targeted at the root cause of a behavior more often than not affects noticeable change in just one session. During the following weeks and months of coaching, the behavior habits linked to the healed wound continue to weaken. Soon enough, my clients can simply choose to replace them with new behaviors, and they stick. However, it's important to note that without the follow-up coaching and NLP sessions, the behaviors are likely to return. It requires all three interventions at once to achieve life-changing results this quickly. There's much more to say about my theory that unresolved subconscious fears and limiting beliefs from your past are the cause of self-sabotaging behaviors that hold you back from realizing your full potential. It's actually the fundamental premise that my approach to leadership development and life fulfillment is based. It's so important that I will dedicate an entire episode to explaining how this works in detail and what you can do about it. But at this point, I hope I've made a compelling enough case that you are willing to consider my theory and hypothesis. Now I want to share my opinions on the best ways to discover how risky this approach may be for you. I realize that up until now, I've only spoken to the upside of this approach to professional and personal development. There are many potential downside risks that are important to consider before you decide to move forward. Number one, if you are or have been treated for a serious mental health condition, you should consult your doctor before deciding if psychedelics are safe for you. Number two, If you are or have been treated for a serious medical condition or are currently taking pharmaceutical drugs, you should consult your doctor before deciding if psychedelics are safe for you. I'll add, if you are under 24 years old and are not working with an experienced therapist who can help you integrate your experience, then in my opinion, you're putting your psychological health at risk. The list of sub-concerns for each of these categories is long. An expert psychedelic guide will take you through an extensive intake process to screen for the contraindications they are concerned about. There are also an increasing number of medical professionals, including board-certified psychiatrists who are providing this screening, even though they themselves do not provide any form of psychedelic therapy. You can use them to get a second opinion. Here's a suggestion that just came to mind for the first time. To find a medical professional who can help you assess safety, try contacting a therapy oriented ketamine clinic like Polaris in San Francisco and ask if they provide medical screening services. But even with the most thorough screening, there's no way to guarantee that you will not experience negative consequences from your experience. Ultimately, it's up to you to speak with the experts and make the final decision. I want to squeeze in one more key piece of advice. There are many types of psychedelics and there are many types of contexts that you can choose to experience each one of them. I highly recommend that you choose the lightest substance at the lightest effective dose in the most comfortable context possible. I all too often hear about people who choose a sledgehammer to do the job that a feather is better suited for. Simply ask the provider you're considering what they think the lightest substance at the lightest effective dose might be. Okay, I'm now ready to provide you with an overview of my awake forward method for psychedelic assisted executive coaching. Understanding my method will help you compare programs as you continue to educate yourself about your options. First and foremost, my program is a six-month executive coaching program. I will not work with anyone unwilling to dedicate at least six months to this process. The program is segmented into three phases. What unites all three phases is the executive coaching program, which includes all the aspects you should expect from a top executive coaching firm. The first phase, which lasts roughly three months, is focused on goal setting, accurate diagnosis of issues, and solving the most urgent issues as they pop up. To identify the highest leverage leadership behaviors to develop, I run a 360 review survey. We will also establish a subjective measurement of your whole life well-being using a self-assessment tool I developed. With the help of the survey feedback, we will establish three- and six-month goals for your professional and personal development. Throughout the six months, we will be tracking your progress toward these goals. The time-bound framework with clear milestones provides a tight container for our work and enables us to measure the efficacy of both the coaching and the impact the guided psychedelic session has. After about two months of coaching, the behavior patterns and personality quirks that are compromising your impact as a business leader will have revealed themselves. These issues will become the focus of your guided psychedelics session. At this point, you have selected your guide and begun the preparation process with them. Then begins phase two. Here's what happens during month three. You will complete your three-month company goals. You'll have your therapeutic psychedelic experience. We will skillfully integrate the insights from your psychedelic experience into our coaching and your action plan. And we will focus on habit change techniques during the coaching sessions, taking advantage of your fresh motivation and neuroplasticity. During the final two months of your program, we will focus on completing the goals we set at the beginning of the program, We'll run a 360 progress report that measures your progress against the leadership behavior goals that you chose after reading the initial 360 report. We will measure changes to your whole life well-being baseline so that you know what has improved over the last six months. Last but not least, we will establish your next three-month goals, and then we're ready to complete the program. In summary, the key to the exceptional impact that the psychedelic session provides is the time we dedicate to preparation and integration. I believe that three months on either side is ideal, and six months in total is the right amount of time to make a substantial shift in a person's professional and personal life. Setting challenging goals with measurable outcomes is also key. They provide the arena and motivation one needs to find and implement fresh approaches to life and work. So, in conclusion, at the start of this episode, I promised that you would learn the following critical things. Why therapeutic psychedelics in conjunction with executive coaching is so effective. A list of common career-limiting behaviors plaguing business leaders that this combo addresses better than any other method I know. How to figure out if psychedelics are safe enough for you to use. What's the best approach to starting with psychedelics if professional development is your goal? How to distinguish between a novice and an expert service provider in this emerging field. A step-by-step overview of my six-month psychedelic-assisted executive coaching program so that you can compare it to other options you may be considering. And last but not least, enough about me to decide if you can trust my opinions on these topics. I hope you feel that I delivered on these promises and found more value than you expected. On that note, who do you know that would benefit from what I've shared in this episode? When that person comes to mind, please text them a link. And thank you for helping me get this information out there. In subsequent episodes, you will continue to learn best practices for engaging with therapeutic psychedelics to accelerate your professional, interpersonal, and even spiritual development. I will share the pros and cons associated with different psychedelic compounds. I will interview business leaders who have experienced the benefits i described in this episode. I will interview experts in the field who also have been pioneering new ways to leverage psychedelics for professional development. Every episode of the Awake Forward podcast will provide you with actionable insights that you can use right away. If you want to consider the Awake Forward method for psychedelic assisted executive coaching or have questions, please visit awakeforward.com now. Visit awakeforward.com slash podcast to find links to these resources and more in the show notes for this episode. I'd like to recognize the talent that made this episode possible. First and foremost, thank you to my guests for sharing their time and advice so freely. Thank you to my production team at Come Alive Creative for their patience and expert advice. Last but not least, I want to thank Future Primitive for allowing me to use his song, Kinetic, which you can find on Spotify. Okay, see you next episode. Hi there. I hope you found this episode valuable. I want to take this last opportunity to invite you to consider joining the upcoming Mastermind program. If you're curious, simply go to awakeforward.com right now to learn more and apply to join. Okay, I'll see you next episode.